Welcome to our podcast. I'm Jess. I'm Mandy. And we are Drama Bonded, a podcast where we bond over the drama and trauma in the Bachelor multiverse and throughout Western pop culture. Hi. Hello. I just want to say I did that whole intro without reading my note card for the first time. Dude, that means we're basically pros. Yeah. I mean, what episode is this? 18, 19? Yeah. And we have talked about doing something special for our 20th episode that we need to nail down. Yeah, I'm really glad actually that it's not this week. In my head it was, and then I also completely forgot about it, and then I had a little panic. But we're, yeah, we just spent the whole time talking about what we're going to talk about. Um, I, we might have to do two episodes now that I'm thinking about it, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's our problem, not yours. <laughs> not yours. Um, so we've got a candy review today, and we are going to talk about Laffy Taffy Bites. Specifically, the tropical flavor ones, which I do feel are maybe a touch lackluster in their flavor. Okay, that's what I thought too. So I will say I really, there's four flavors, red, orange, which honestly, what the fuck, mango, pineapple, and guava. I cannot get over how good pineapple and guava are, but the other flavors are sort of just like the mango and the red, orange are a little... I just felt like in general they had less flavor than so there there is a normal flavored bag where you get your grape, green apple, banana, right? I don't know if there's banana in that bag. There should be though because oh yeah, there is, but you probably only get like two cuz that's the best flavor. Yeah, that's what they do. Um and I just felt like in comparison the Laffy Taffy flavor saturation was not up to par. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that's kind of a bummer because Laffy Taffy's like really good. I don't know if you can use the word saturation in reference you can. to flavor. Absolutely. But, yes. you know, as a designer, my saturation levels were underwhelmed. I feel you. Oh, you know, and so in the Laffy Taffy Bites, the not tropical one, it's weird. You get strawberry, blue raspberry, cherry, and green or sour apple. Okay. So that's problematic already. They're taking out the two best flavors. Grape and banana. Cheese. I know. Anyway, so it's still a good texture. I enjoy them, but they're probably not like the best candy we've ever had. Yeah. Um, just a heads up, we usually don't have the dogs in the room, but today they are in the room. So if you hear any background sounds. It's just Rook and Chewy. Yeah, it's just our buddies. They're, they're trying their best to be really good, so they're just laying at our feet chewing on every bone they can find, which is very good for them, bad for us. <laughs> Yeah, but they're being good. We love them. All right. I kind of wanted to kick things off today by talking about how you view sacrifice versus or maybe and compromise in a relationship because I thought that was a really interesting theme that kept appearing, I think, especially between Kwame and Chelsea. Yes. I'm so glad you thought of this. Yeah. And just like as I was thinking about it, I'm like, what is the difference between sacrifice and compromise? And in a relationship, how do you know the difference? And like, are, is it okay? Like, I don't know. I'm just so curious to like talk it out. I have, I have thoughts, but I don't know if I've come to like a conclusion. Okay. I kind of want to frame my response initially um, in reference to Kwame and Chelsea's relationship and then maybe talk about it more broadly after that. Okay. But okay. So I have issues with Kwame living in Portland and going on a show based in Seattle and not thinking that 
the person that he fell in love with was probably going to be from Seattle and that them joining their lives together was going to probably have some hiccups along <laughs> yeah like, like my what? guy what are you doing like what if he had gotten on 90 day fiance in washington dc like what was that gonna look like so don't sit yeah. here and whine to me that you're making sacrifices so, when you made choices yes yeah, so that's my first issue with him like don't get me wrong moving changing your life definitely uncomfortable but he also knowingly put himself in this position to find someone based in Seattle. So I don't think he should necessarily be surprised that he's facing this situation. I agree with that. So first thing, that's I don't really think that's on Chelsea. Also, he has a completely remote job that allows him to be wherever, right? Yep. So again, not a huge sacrifice if you don't have to go through, you know, extreme lengths to make this work with your career. I think that when you love someone, you are willing to make sacrifices for them. I would agree with that. And you almost don't even really register those things as sacrifices because what you are doing is you are prioritizing the other person's needs or the relationship's needs over yourself. Right. Compromise is when you realize you have to meet someone in the middle in order to make something work. It takes work from both people to make something work. So the fact, (laughs) where I'm going with all of this is I think that if Kwame really loved Chelsea, he would just be making these sacrifices because he loves her, he wants to be with her, he wants to make it work. Right. But he's referring to everything as a compromise, and that's coming from a place of these are my needs, and I feel like I'm having to change more than you have to change, and now I'm resenting you for it. Yes, that resentment that like, or he's like stockpiling these is like, this is why this isn't going to work in the end. Yes. It feels, yeah, he's not... It almost feels to me like he's not even trying to compromise. He's just doing the martyr thing and just making these sacrifices so that he can hold on to them and later come back and be like, well, I did A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, and was like ready to just unload on Chelsea. But like, yeah, you're the one who has the ability to move. And sometimes in a relationship, like you do have to look at who does this impact the least? Yes. And how do you navigate that? And like, Also, to my mind, like making a sacrifice is also about like not keeping score. And it's like, yeah. And I just like, I, the fact that Kwame is registering all this as a sacrifice and not just something that you do to make a relationship work, especially under these extreme circumstances, that like, yeah, there's some, there's some major red flags there. And we're talking about the beginning of the relationship. This is where things should be exciting and easy and like, you're looking forward to it, right? Yeah, you're like so excited. And and I get being nervous because like Kwame is leaving, you know, soccer team, his job, like there's not his job, excuse me, but he's leaving where he's comfortable. And there's 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 gonna be some inherent like anxiety around that. But like, I don't know. He seems like he's not ready for it. And fine, then stop telling Chelsea or stop like end this engagement then. Be done. Yes. There's specifically this conversation that Kwame has with Tiffany at Chelsea's birthday party where he says something along the lines of like, I don't think there's anyone who I could 
more align my life with than Chelsea. Like internally, externally, like she is the perfect fit for me. But then he yeah. goes on to say, there's always the but with Kwame. Always. That's my biggest issue is he's willing to like say these very grand, lovely things, but then he follows them up with a but. And he references how much he feels like he's compromising and how he wants to make sure that he isn't overly compromising so that 10 or 15 years down the road, you know, he's still happy in this relationship. Then I also feel like Kwame needs to start putting forward, like, what do you want, my guy? Like, okay, so you want some time between getting married and having kids. Three years is time. Yes. Like, I'm sorry, what do you, what else do you need to do? Like in three years, you can get a lot of traveling done. You can have a lot of fun. Like, and I hate this notion that like women have a biological clock, but you become a geriatric pregnancy case after the age of 35. More complications happen having kids that late. And Chelsea is at least 30. So she does kind of have like a reasonable like request to have a timeline here. And if that doesn't fit for Kwame, that's fine. But also like he's not communicating, I think, any substantial like clear things for her either. Yes. I also feel like there were probably conversations that happened in the pod about, you know, what does our children timeline look like? What does yada, yada, yada look like? And so now that they are in this position where they're getting married in nine days, all of a sudden Kwame seems, and I don't know because I didn't, I wasn't a part of those conversations, but based on what Chelsea is saying, it seems like Kwame is starting to backpedal on some of the things he said he aligned on her with. And now he's raising questions like, do you even want to settle down? Into which he says, yeah, why wouldn't I? Well, the last five minutes, we just listened to, to you talk about how you felt like you were sacrificing an adventurous lifestyle. And now if you have kids, it changes everything and you wouldn't get to experience A, B, and C with your partner. Yeah. And then they have another really kind of terse conversation when she's like picking out outfits. Oh my gosh. Where he just like, it sort of feels like he's doing this weird thing where he's like saying one thing, but everything that he's like otherwise doing is to the contrary. Yes. <laughs> and like the way he kind of came at her for things like throughout this the, these three episodes, it just is like, what are you guys, the Kwame, stop. She's clearly so into him and it is just not reciprocated in the same way, at least how we're seeing it. Yes. And I do think, I mean, okay. So it's, the dysfunction just isn't with Kwame. Chelsea is kind of just like nose diving blindly into like Kwame is everything. I'm saying yes at the altar. I want to be married. I want to have kids. And I don't want to belittle her emotions towards him. I think she really does love him. But I also think that that love or wanting to love him is blinding her from like hearing the red flags. Or seeing them as case in point with oh, her yeah. ap his apartment. I guess you can't hear red flags. No, you can hear red flags. But yes, seeing them, hearing, hearing them, them, observing red them. Red flags. Red flags are all your senses. Like yes. you have, if you don't like how somebody <laughs> smells red flag, like. <laughs> Thank you, Jess. You're welcome. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is I feel like they're, they're approaching this relationship with like opposite issues where she is just like, got to get married, got to have kids, got to settle down. And he is like, I love you. You're everything. But also, actually, I don't think my life aligns to yours at all, but you're still everything that I want. Yeah, I just don't know how I feel about sacrificing. I feel like Kwame is trying to get Chelsea to break up with him. Yes. 
That is exactly how that feels. I hate that tactic too. Like own your shit. If you are just, if, if you feel like this relationship is not for you, don't force somebody else's hand in those situations. Own it. Like that is just so fucked to me. It's yeah. It's very obvious to me that he's playing that game. And even when he talked to Micah again at Chelsea's fucking birthday party, <gasps> like don't even get me started. Like how are we here again? Um, <laughs> and we, we'll talk about that conversation too. But I'm just talking like his energy with Micah is so clearly different than it is with Chelsea. His body language, his smile. The way he leans in and he's always so just like, he's so easygoing with Micah. The way he looks at her. Giggles and laughs with her. Dude, it's so different. Uh, yeah. And I do have to say, like, if Kwame was engaged to Micah, Kwame would be just as unhappy. I swear to yes. God. Like, there's no way he would survive Shelby. And, you know, uh, no, this is stupid. This is a case of the grass is always greener. Yes. And it's easy for Micah and Kwame to be really into each other because they're not responsible for one another. Yeah. They're not engaged. They don't have to plan a future. So they get to make up their imaginary future together. And it is all rainbows and butterflies because they're not confronted with any sort of reality. And Micah loves the attention. Micah loves it. Yeah. I like the fact that he asked her if she regretted her decision. When he was expressing like that he was kind of struggling, that was such a manipulative way, manipulative way to like, yeah, do you regret your decision? I don't know, Kwame, do you regret yours? Come on. It's so icky. It really is. It's a bummer. I like especially at Chelsea's birthday party. Chelsea's birthday party. Yeah. Yeah. Kwame is just I had such high, high hopes coming out of the first three episodes. Like, I was really digging them, and I just can't get behind it right now. Like, even when she says, Chelsea says something like, oh, thank you so much for wearing pink for my birthday, his response to her, I don't remember what it was, but it sounded kind of passive-aggressive. It's like, well, yeah, 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 yeah like, I, I just feel like their interactions don't feel natural or happy. I would agree with that. It's. It's awkward to watch, which, by the way, you and I have kind of been talking about this off the podcast. Like, I think part of the reason we kind of drop off at this point in the show is because of how awkward it gets. Like, it sort of starts to feel like, why is anybody doing any of this? Yeah, the the screen says nine days till wedding, and I'm, like, curling into a tight <laughs> little ball like, what? What are we doing? Yeah. Like, Tiffany and Brett are the only couple that I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. If if anybody else gets married, we have problems because no, just no. Everybody needs to be going to therapy, not the altar. Like everybody has so much work to do. And it's not that these couples potentially couldn't make things work and be really happy and get married, but I don't think that the show is setting these couples up to succeed by like pressure cooking their relationship and sh making them show up at an altar. Yeah. Give, give, pay for nine to 12 months of therapy for everybody before we have to get married. Cause you know what? A good therapist is really expensive. And like, you don't have to pay for an apartment. They don't have to live together. Just offer them couples counseling for a year. Oh my gosh. I love that idea. Yeah. Therapy is the way to go here. I don't know. We're not, we're not seeing a lot of success. Can we talk about Kwame's apartment really quick? Oh my God. <laughs> 
this also for me is just a moment where you can tell Chelsea is, this is my favorite phrase ever, dumb on the dick. That she just, like her apartment is so cute, so clean, so organized. And we get in and the first thing we see in Kwame's apartment, dead plant and lotion and a towel on the front table. And he sleeps on the couch next to the lotion and the towel most nights. He like, doesn't even sleep in his bed. Yeah, like Kwame doesn't even seem attached to his apartment, Question. to be honest. Do you think that they have the opportunity to like come into their apartment and tidy up before the show enters it? Or do you think it's like the way you leave your apartment when you go to the show is how they enter it? That's a really good question. I guess in my heart of hearts, I have to believe that you don't get a chance to do that until the cameras are there. But then like, why, why would you not clean? Yeah, I, I just have to believe that they don't get a chance because why did Kwame not clean otherwise? Okay. My only, the only part of me that thinks that he wouldn't have is it like, is it another reason that he's trying to get another way he's trying to get Chelsea to not want to be with him? Right. Cause at some point they were negotiating like the dishes into the dishwasher. She's clearly a very clean person. Yes. And Kwame's not. No. And on the one hand, I do think it's better for people to just know that up front. Like, I'm not a very tidy person. Yeah. Cause it kind of sucks when somebody plays it up like, oh, I'm really affectionate, I'm really clean, I'm really into sports, or blah, 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 and then it turns out, like, none of that is true. Yeah. That would be upsetting. But then also, like, you're on TV. You have camera crews coming. Why would you not clean? <laughs> yeah, so they probably don't, but there is that question mark of, like, does Kwame just not care what Chelsea thinks of his apartment? I don't know. Kwame seems kind of like a smooth operator and that like he's not exactly used to women having opinions about him in that or way. Or going out of his way to be something else for a woman. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, he's, he's kind of an enigma in some ways. Like I just don't understand his motivations and like I don't understand how he thinks he's going to come out of this looking good. Yeah. Especially if his motivation for this whole thing was to be on TV, you probably want to look good on TV, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really bizarre. I'm not I'm not entirely sure um, what to make of him at this point. <laughs> the last thing I want to well, unless you have any more, but the last thing I want to know on Kwame and Chelsea's relationship is how um, we've we've heard this a few times now when they're having like a tense conversation about the future of their relationship. Chelsea will kind of retort, well, welcome to marriage. And it's... <laughs> oh, boy. I just feel like that's not really the tactic you want to use in an argument before getting married. No, it kind of evokes this um, this imagery of, like, ball and chain and, like, yes. this is just what it is now. And, like, it doesn't have to be that. It can be better. It can be something else. And like when you have good communication tools and you take the time to get to know one another and understand motivations and needs, it you don't have to say things like welcome to marriage. Yes. And marriage does take work, but <laughs> defaulting to, well, marriage is hard, you know, welcome. Like that's also not probably helping Kwame 
commit to this relationship no, anymore. <laughs> for Kwame, I do feel like that's kind of a red flag for him. Like, is this really what you want your life to be? Yeah. And like, I don't, I'm not saying Chelsea's wrong in saying that, but it does feel like they're sort of butting heads and like that this is just, there's the writing is on the wall. I do feel like there are just different ways to say it that are more productive and probably less scary to her partner. For sure. Read the room. Um, Zach and Bliss. Oh, my God. Mandy, I have like a novel of notes. <laughs> I know. Mandy, Mandy at one point texted me, and she's like, oh, my God, they're on a boat. And I have this really bad feeling he's going to propose. I paused it because I didn't want to watch it. <laughs> what? Okay, but, but before we get there. Okay. I just have to say, her coming over in that red number to his house. Oh, wow. So cute. So cute. But a couple things. One, he botched dinner. Pretty bad. They ate like, I don't know, five shrimps. That's not enough food. Dude, not even close. Um, the owl painting with the samurai sword is beyond nerdy. Very intense. And I think Mandy and I are pretty nerdy people in our own right. Very. Do you want Harry Potter music playing when you open your doors in your house? No. I thought it was on the way to the bedroom. Was it just the the door? I think I couldn't quite tell you right. It might just be on the way to the bedroom, but Zach has Harry Potter theme music play. I think I would want to punch a wall if a song just like repeated over and over in my house. <laughs> Zach is so weird. He's real nerdy. Yeah. Like legit nerdy. Okay. So he is weird. So when they met his family, sorry to jump. No, no, no. We're jumping all over the place. Okay. We're not recapping, which is why we kind of just like go all over. We're just talking about the things that stuck out to us. And sometimes it takes us a minute to like recall them. <laughs> kind of <laughs> on the note of how weird Zach is, when he introduced Bliss to his family. Did you notice he had the weirdest facial expression almost the entire time? And he said almost nothing. And so she's there talking about their relationship, introducing herself. And I, <laughs> I'm going to sound kind of mean, but it's like he was like smelling a fart the whole time. Like I didn't understand. I don't know if he was stressed out. I didn't know if he was just wanting Bliss to have space to introduce his family. The whole dynamic, though, was so strange to me. I didn't understand his energy, his facial expression, his, like, how he was helping her navigate this situation. <laughs> it was so bizarre. I think it was really bizarre. And I don't think Irina was wrong when she called out kind of, like, how kind of awkward he can be to be around. Because you're absolutely right. He gets that, like look in his face where he doesn't blink. It's like kind of a smile, but more a grimace. Yes, that's the face. And you're just like, I need something more from you. What is going on? And I can understand having stress responses like that because I think sometimes I get out of a situation. And I'm like, oh my God, did I even talk? I don't know. But it's not doing him a lot of favors. No. And I just, for him and Bliss, I mean, spoiler, they, they get engaged. She says yes, which is- oh bananas to me. Why? Why are you now committing? Like, if you guys like each other, just give yourselves 
the space to enjoy a relationship. I think they both really like each other. I don't understand why they feel the need to commit to this like streamlined process at this point. Do you think production was pressuring him into proposing or do you think it was Zach's idea? I love to blame things on production, but I think in this case, my heart says that Zach really wanted to do this. Like that Zach had something to prove and really wanted to make sure Bliss didn't feel like she was chosen second, but she was. And my concern is, is like, I hope she can really understand that Zach made a mistake and isn't trying to choose her second, that he needs to work on himself and kind of figure out why it was he was so inclined to choose Irina. Yes, there's a lot there. There's so much there. And I also hope that Bliss gets help and can, I don't know, whatever she needs to do to also be okay with it. It feels too soon to be saying yes to an engagement when you've got a previous engagement from like two weeks ago hanging over you. That's a lot. Yes, and I kind of want to talk about that because even though they are engaged, Bliss continues to kind of fall back on this second choice issue. Mm -hmm. And I don't blame her. First of all, that's a lot. And I think she's allowed to, you know, take a minute to explore why she feels that way and how she's going to process that and how she's going to forgive him ultimately and move forward. But I also think that her continuing to like bring it up is creating a lot of dysfunction in their relationship. Yeah. And I'm not saying she shouldn't be bringing it up, but I'm like, maybe you guys shouldn't be engaged if you haven't worked through this yet. Yes. And this is the hardest part. And I want to be careful with my words here, but it's like when one person cheats and a couple chooses to stay together, you've both made a choice and the person who was cheated on can't default to constantly throwing that into their partner's face because that isn't productive. And even though Zach didn't cheat, I feel like it's still a really bizarre dynamic and the closest thing I can get to it is that sort of cheating um, analogy. And you're right, it's not healthy. Like it's not being brought up in therapy or it it may, I hope it is, but like it's not being brought up in productive settings. They're not having good conversations around it. They're sort of talking past each other. They're not acknowledging how each of them feels about the situation. Well, at one point, Bliss brings it up and she references how much she is having to struggle with her pride because of what happened. And, you know, being chosen second is really affecting her pride, which Jess and I on the side talked about how it's probably not just her pride. There's probably a lot of things, but I can see how that would hurt your pride for sure. And in this conversation, Zach kind of starts deflecting and is like, but I'm not choosing you second. I don't want to be with her at all. So if if no part of me wants to be with her, you are not second choice. And Zach, that's not how it works. Like you, one, you don't get to tell her how she should feel based on your actions. Yep. And two, you literally chose her second. So yes. Yeah, you broke up with her and chose Irina. And then when shit hit the fan with Irina, you went back to bliss. Like, I don't know. I get where he's coming from, but at the end of the day, that is being chosen second. Yeah, he doesn't get to minimize her experience or feelings because he's the one who created the situation. And I understand that he loves her and he's sorry and he doesn't like that she continues to bring it up, but this would be a great topic to take to a couple's therapist 
and kind of break it down, understand where these insecurities are for both of them, you know, come up with some communication tools, but you don't get to deflect and tell her that she's, she shouldn't feel that way. Right. There's actually a really good communication model where the person who's hurt gets to say how they're feeling and then a person, you know, whoever they're talking to repeats that back, confirms that that's right, apologizes, affirms like, hey, I totally see how you feel this way, you know, and you move through these steps. And then there is a step six where you give the floor to the person that, you know, sort of did the hurting to just say like, hey, where are you coming from in all of this? And for then, you know, in this case, bliss to be able to validate Zach some and like, they're just not doing that. And they, it, I'm not saying it's easy and I'm really, that's a reductive like rundown, but it helps to have those structures to talk about these really hard things. And this is a really hard thing. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's awkward to watch two people not communicate well about it and to know that like nobody's wrong, but nobody's being heard and you can't put anybody down for things. Despite the engagement ring, we just keep going round and round and round back to this conversation. And it's like, if this isn't resolved, I don't know if you should be saying yes at the altar. Nope. Nope. That is, it's a recipe for disaster, for resentment, for just on both of their parts. It just, yeah, I I don't know. I'm really nervous for them. I'm I'm kind of shocked that they... uh, They're on this accelerated timeline. They're getting married in nine days. Um, One part that I did like with Zach and Bliss was when Bliss introduced Zach to her family. Bliss's mom. Oh, my goodness. Is amazing. When she said, if my daughter chooses you, then I'll be your mom, too. Wow. Ooh. Tears. Yeah, that one got me. What a what a lovely, lovely woman to just like to to trust her daughter. And to open her heart to somebody that her daughter has opened her heart to. Like, wow, what a what a great moment. Well, even after Zach was honest about the Irina situation. I will give Zach some credit and to just like own your bullshit is a good way to handle things. And so at least Zach is doing that. Yeah. Um, and I think he owes Bliss's family that because you know she came home and sobbed about it. Like her family knows how much he hurt her. Yeah. So he does need to sit with that discomfort of like walking Bliss's family through all of this. I think he did that part very well. He did. And to be fair, as much as I feel like Zach is weird and a nerd, I do get the sense that Zach isn't a bad person. He's just... He just has some work to do on himself. He does. And that's okay. Like everybody's going to be in that spot. Like you don't, we don't live in a society that values therapy from a young age and an ability to go inward and reflect. And I think, honest to God, I feel like it's only been since my 30s that I've had the ability to like really sit and look at myself critically and with compassion and grace as well and do the work. So, yeah. And I think, you know, leaving Irina and processing that and kind of being in tune with why you made the choices you did is a great starting point for him to do that. Absolutely. When you recognize like, oh, I've made some really bad decisions and there were reasons for that. It wasn't like I wasn't thinking. I just was not using good logic or like being kind to myself or whatever it may be. Yeah. And include bliss in that process. Absolutely. That's one of the best parts about being with somebody is that they should be able to support you through your growth and be a sounding board and be somebody to help you work through those problems. 
And Bliss does genuinely seem like somebody who could be good at that. Yeah, I think so. So um, anything else on Zach and Bliss? No, I have a feeling that they're both going to say yes. Uh, well, I actually, I have no idea. So no spoilers, please. But I have a feeling they're both going to say yes. Um, very interested to see how that plays out. What do you think about Kwame and Chelsea? I don't think they're both going to say yes. Okay. Okay. I like it. Jess knows what's going to happen. I do know what's going to happen. She watched way far. <laughs> that was stupid. I'm, I'm nursing an injury and I have so much free time right now that I am like, I have not watched this much TV in my life. So I'm in a good and terrible place. So yeah. That I, was not coming from a place of judgment. It was more so just like <laughs> Jess is saying everything she's saying, knowing what happens. That's why I'm asking you. Um, in fact, I have actually avoided so Nick Vial had both Micah and Marshall on for individual interviews. And I have not listened to them because I'm trying not to spoil what happens. I'm trying to not take in anybody else's opinions or feedback on anything going on right now. So I'm also trying to avoid any discussions around the show. I've just looked up little things here and there outside of like knowing how it ends. Okay. Um, Jackie and Marshall. Oh, this one makes me kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, this, this, I, mm, I am so sad for Jackie and I want to give her a big hug and just be like, girl, if anybody that I think actually needs therapy, it's you. Hmm. And she's really pushing Marshall away. But I think Marshall needs therapy too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> when Marshall tells her that she was a project, yeah. Ooh. I wanted to slap him. I did too. I was like, oh shit, you can't say stuff like that. And well, also if that's how you're viewing your relationship with her, like that says some shit about you too. I think, I think Marshall did definitely um, show some of his colors in the way that he was like, he had made Jackie breakfast. He's saying that about her. He talks about how other women have been in this position with him. And it's like, okay, but what starts to be the common denominator? Are you going after women who are emotionally unavailable to you? And why? Yeah. Like, what are what are you gaining from this, Marshall? Because this is just, what is it? Masochistic? Like, don't do this to yourself. Yeah. And on Jackie's part, like, oh my God, pick the guy who cries. Pick the guy who's confident and secure and into you and is not going to clap at you or, you know, degrade you. You do not want a toxic masculine partner. No, you don't. You want a man who can show emotion. You want a man who is into you. I don't understand this idea. Like, I, I hate this aspect of dating culture where women want manly men and like that's not a manly man. That's that's just that's that's a person who needs help. <laughs> they both want a version of dysfunction. They in a do. Partner. They're guilty of the same thing in a different way. Yeah, and it makes me sad because I feel like they probably do have a lot of affection for each other, and I think it could work. But I think they're both too young and in a spot where they really need to spend some time with themselves and evaluating like what they really want from relationships and why. Um, it bums me out for Jackie though, telling Marshall to boss up. Oh, well, and then when he was talking to Brett about it Ugh, and he yeah. was saying that she wants him to be more aggressive in the bedroom and he's like, 
that's just not me. Like, I'm never going to be that person. What? I don't know. I kind of, that's interesting to me. Because I feel like don't yuck your partner's yum. Yeah. And I do think that there can be a time and a place for that. And I do, like, for me, like, Marshall, yes, I get that. But, like, maybe that would be one safe place to be a little more aggressive to, like, figure out how to do that for Jackie so that she can kind of lean into, like, your softness and your kindness in other areas of life. That would create an interesting balance. I do think that some people just aren't into certain things sexually. This isn't coming from a place of judgment. I'm just saying sure. some people are, some people aren't to each their own. Right. It can be kind of hard to, like, slap your partner around, choke them, like, actually be what you feel like is potentially being abusive, but in fact, like, that's something that your partner enjoys. Like, yeah, but you know what? That <laughs> that all just requires communication. You have to be able to talk about how it turns you on and why and, like, how it makes you feel to do that to your partner or to receive that from your partner. Absolutely. And that is what is clearly lacking between them is they just have no idea how to talk to each other. Well, she's trying to ask him for that, and that comes across as an attack on his masculinity. Right, because Marshall is confident and comfortable with who he is. Yes. And you can tell that like the way that he talks to his sister when she comes to visit about like how he's feeling more inspired to write. And, you know, Marshall, Marshall is, he's a soft guy. And I love that. I think we need more men who He's can, in tune with his emotions. Yeah, lean into that. That's amazing. That makes for happier men. That makes for men who don't do shitty things to women. And I think he's really in tune with that about himself and probably really proud of that part of himself. And so when she kind of comes at him, like, be more aggressive or, like, boss up, I think that that immediately makes him feel like he doesn't know how to be that for her because he doesn't identify with that type of man. And I think especially as a black man, that's, like, extra hard. And so, yeah, she's really, she's not seeing Marshall for the good that Marshall has to offer. And he is so into her. Like, he thinks she's super sexy. He does want to have sex with her. He, he is so into her. And she wants somebody who's going to neglect her to, you know, make her feel bad and kind of have to fight for it. <laughs> like, that's not love. When he talked about how he's always kissing on her and rubbing on her and loving her, but he doesn't feel like she she is giving any of that attention back to him. Yeah. It would be interesting that if he felt that physical connection from her, if that would have changed the dynamic of that boss up conversation, right? Versus him just feeling like he's deprived of love and... She's telling him to be somebody that he's not. Yeah, because I think that if there was more mutual affection, there would be more trust. Yes. And you would be a safer space to maybe propose like, hey, I'm kind of into this thing and maybe she could say it in a different way. But I also think that if he feels like he's not getting a lot of affection from her, he's already feeling insecure. I Oh, 100%. And I have this feeling. So Jackie before Marshall's sister comes over, says that she's ruminating or she's like in her head. And like, this is the thing. I can also do that. I can be gloom and doom for days on end. I can hold on to a thought. But 
I think she is not being honest about why she's doing that. Yeah. And I think what she's actually upset about is her relationship with Marshall. And she's trying to say, oh, it's her family. Oh, it's all this. But like the reality of it is, I think in her mind, she's, she's forming an exit strategy. She's like, she's just not being clear because I think you can be that way and lean on your partner and she should communicate to Marshall if it really is about her family, like really talk about why explore that with him. And she's not, she is giving him nothing. And I think Marshall is picking up on that. And so I think you're absolutely right when he's like feeling that void with her being affectionate and then telling him to boss up. There's just too many things where he's feeling like there's a wall here. Yes. And we meet the exit strategy and his name is Josh. (laughs) But no, I think you're totally right. And It bums me out because I know that there are pieces of her that identify with how Marshall can be a healthy partner for her. You know, when she says, like, he makes me feel grown. He makes me feel safe. Like, she is in tune with the healthier parts of their relationship and why she should be with someone who provides that for her. Yeah, but I think this is a case, too, where another person who needs to go to therapy and, like, she needs to learn a lot of respect for herself and realize she does deserve this kind of love. She, yeah, she, she is lovely and, you know, she should be loved by somebody like Marshall and not treated like shit by somebody like Josh. But she has to do the work to understand that herself and no relationship is going to teach her that. Yeah, there was kind of a thread of this throughout a lot of people's talks. I think Kwame also talks about like Chelsea being his everything. Like that's too much to put on your partner. And also, like, I don't think it's true when he says that. It's not true. Because he doesn't treat her like she is his everything. No, and none of these people are. And like you guys need to go fill these holes for yourself and not think that once you've got a relationship that everything's going to be hunky-dory because it's just, it's actually going to exacerbate every problem you have personally with yourself. Even if it has nothing to do with your partner, it will become your partner's problem. You can't expect your partner to fill your gaps. No, you can't. They can be there to support you while you're filling them, but you have to do the heavy lifting. And it just feels like nobody really is quite, I'm not seeing anybody pick up on that. (laughs) Everybody thinks that a relationship or a marriage is going to be the thing that does that. And it's just not. Welcome to marriage. Welcome to marriage. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, It's, yeah. I don't know. I'm nervous for them. I, it, it, well, she doesn't show up to the wedding dress fitting at the very end of episode nine. It's like suit. Fitted. I know. And at the time he's talking to his friends and he's like explaining how I hate this question of like, is she wifey material? Okay, fuck off with that. Never call somebody wifey material. Everybody can be ready to be in a partnership. And like, I think that that's important. And Jackie's not there. But when Brett walks up and is like, hey, man, I need to talk to you. I also want Ugh. to note his answer to that. It's always like Marshall is kind of grasping or desperate for something to be true that isn't. That like, isn't. Oh, she makes me feel like I could fly or like. Yes, that's what he says. And it's like, but she, she doesn't. She like swats you that. down, man. <laughs> so that's too bad. And then Brett breaks the news that Jackie didn't show up for the wedding dress fitting. 
And lo and behold, she did not text Marshall that she wasn't going. She's meeting Josh. And we don't know if the timeline actually lines up that she was doing that. It's true. Editing can be but a it, real bitch. Even if it was edited that way, it was pretty damn good editing. Good television. It was. It's a bummer. No, huge bummer for Marshall. Also, like we can talk about the Josh thing really quick. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Josh being drunk at Chelsea's birthday. Ew. And like getting in Marshall's, Marshall's face with like the bobbing and weaving and trying to act like he's being a friend, but also being like super physically passive aggressive about it. Ew. This is the toxic masculinity that women need to avoid. That guy needs to grow. Ew. Get out of here. Ooh, it was so gross. It does. And it also sucks that when he and Jackie talked, he just like shit all over Marshall. Like, I, he didn't call him a crybaby, but he basically did. Yeah, saying, he was crying all over the place. he was a weak man. And that, like, whoa, there's so many red flags there. Like, one, no, Marshall can cry. And that actually shows that he's incredibly strong. And two, Josh, you are awful. Like, the worst. Don't talk shit on somebody's fiance when you miss the boat. Yes. Like, sorry, man. Like, if you want to tell her how you feel, that's one thing. But if you have to come at it from an angle of attacking her relationship, like, that says more about your weakness than Marshall's. Yeah, he's gross. Get out of here. I was really disappointed that Jackie went for it, that, like, I don't Why know. Why did she even give him the space to have another conversation? Well, I guess because she's probably into him. She's now had two conversations. Yeah. Ugh. So that's a bummer. So I'm, we're, I'm, I'm guessing you're not confident in that relationship ending in marriage <laughs> because we don't even have a wedding dress fitting. I'm going to say a massive nope. No. Got it. Um, my all-time favorite people, Brett and, Brett and Tiffany. Brett is so rich. Okay. That apartment with a hallway, like, oh. Can we just, okay, I, now that you've brought that up, I'm going to say <laughs> I, I understand that Tiffany doesn't, like, come from the same, like, financial situation that Brett does. Clearly. But I was so uncomfortable when she was like, what's the most money you spent on something? Because <laughs> I think that was produced. I think they were trying to create some drama between Brett and Tiffany because there's been nothing. So they're like, you guys should talk about money. I just, okay, I'm coming at this from a perspective of, like, me and Joe spend money very differently. And we have very different spending habits. And sometimes (laughs) I know that if I spend like $250 on a pair of shoes, Joe might raise an eyebrow. But guess what? It's my money. Well, how much did Joe spend on his cycling shoes? That's what I'm saying. We have different spending habits. And I think we've been together long enough that we kind of just respect that and know that about each other. Oh, for sure. But like, okay, Brett makes some money. His sneaker collection, like his fashion – like, that man has some taste. Well, because those sneakers run anywhere from 120 to over $200, and that's if you were able to get them, like, firsthand. When they first come out. And not secondhand market. He does work for Nike. So he probably does, but. He probably does, but, like, that apartment, I also died when he said that he spent $1,200 on luggage. Not because you can't spend $1,200 on luggage. I don't even own luggage. <laughs> I just have, like, got random backpacks and bags that i shove shit into. And I'm like, this will do. Empty out my gym bag, let it air out for a couple of days. Like, I can't imagine owning nice luggage or luggage. I do think this is going to sound stupid, but my um, take on that is, as I feel like there aren't really like a lot of 
fun, awesome things fashion-wise for men to spend money on. This is and true. so a man is probably more likely to spend money on some cool, fashionable, high-tech luggage that probably charges his phone and like retracts its wheels and has like an engraved nameplate on it than he is like, you know, his fifth pair of $200 jeans. I don't know. That's for my sure. guess. No, Brett is, su- Brett is bougie. Bougie Brett. Yes, I like bougie Brett. I do too. I also- I hope think- he makes her more bougie. Like lean into it, L- Tiffany. Yeah, I love the conversation <laughs> about money. I'm like, girl, just let him buy you stuff too. I know when he was like, I mean, I'll pay for like 75% of it. Like you're my wife. I don't care. I was like, wow. Dude, when he was like, well, what do you think of this? And she's like, this being the apartment. And she's like, it's a little small. He's like, well, no, that's fine. Like, because if you like the building and the place, we'll just move into a different a different unit with like two or three bedrooms. Brett's got it figured out. I was just like, money is not everything. But oh my God, to have a man just say that and be like, well, we'll just get more space. Ugh. Yeah, and the thing is, is she's like, winning. she was in love with him before she even knew his apartment or his shoe collection or his $1,200 luggage. I know. Like she's just falling into this situation by happenstance because she loves this man. And he's like, hey, I have money and I'm happy to like take care of you with it. But I love it because he is being so generous. And I believe it is 100% because he does know how much she loves him. And she shows that constantly. And the way that she talks to him, listens to him, they're both, what a great couple. What a great pair. I love them together so much. Like, what a cool partnership to come out of this show. I think he's also just excited to share what he has with the person he loves. Yeah. And I don't think he looks at it as like, you make less than I do. I think it's like, hey, we're going to join our finances and it makes sense for me to pay for more because you're my wife and I'm happy to do this for us. Yeah, he makes more. And they're just, they're so cool. And I love when we get to meet his friends. Yes. Who, in a weird, not in a weird way, but like, they've clearly got really good groups of friends. Like, people who they know, who love them, who like, are like, really just good friends. These aren't people you just party with. And I think that speaks volumes about both of them and the types of people that they are and that they know how to have healthy relationships outside of romantic partnerships. And that's really crucial. If somebody you're dating doesn't have friends, not or saying has that's really terrible friends, friends. <laughs> Micah, it's not necessarily like you have to have friends and it's worth exploring why you don't. But people who do have a good solid group of friends, like that's a green flag. Yes. Go. <laughs> so I don't know. There's not a whole lot else to say about them. They're just, they're doing so well and I'm excited for them. And I did want to close on Tiffany and Brett went with this conversation where they were talking about the wedding. And I think Tiffany was saying like, I don't know, she's asking him like, why aren't you nervous? Like, it's so close. And he was just so grounded and said like, I'm not scared because I'm with you. Like, you're the reason I'm not scared. Yeah. And oh my God. I think that's hard for women to trust that situation because Tiffany's 36. She's clearly dated enough. Like, and I think that like I get also why she's so nervous. Like that makes sense to me. His response be like, you are what is grounding me. And to have that on the end for her, other end for her to support her while she's kind of navigating planning this fast wedding and changing her life. It's like, wow, that is so beautiful. It is. And actually, like a little, I won't, I won't spoil too much, but Brett like 
goes even a step further with it in the next episode, ah! which is like just so sweet. Brett is showing up. <laughs> I love him showing up for her. It's cool to see a man do that because we don't oftentimes Aww. get to see that. And Tiffany deserves it. You do. Oh, so Woman, good. You deserve it. She does. I love them. And uh, speaking of shitty friends. Oh, God. We get the, um, I don't know, whatever the pain, whatever the opposite of pleasure is, meeting uh, Micah's friends. Shelby? I don't remember the other one's name. She's kind of unmemorable because she's not a raging asshole. Um, Shelby is the worst. And Micah has questionable friends. like. They did not like Paul for speaking analytically, though I don't think Paul was speaking in any way that was unusual. But also, he is a scientist, and like they were just so demeaning to him. They were roasting him. He said that. He's like, I guess it's the Paul roast. They literally were making a very hostile environment for him to casually get to know them. Yeah, and it's one thing to kind of make fun of people in in a jovial way, which I think you still have to be careful about because you never know when you can touch on something that is kind of painful, but they were just mean. This wasn't even funny. I think roasts are supposed to be like kind of funny, but like Shelby was just awful. And it sucks that Micah gives her that kind of control or power. Micah talks about how Shelby as a friend is her harshest critic and how she has single-handedly terminated multiple relationships. Red flag. And and she's like, Shelby's just like staring Paul down the whole time Micah's talking about this. And eventually Shelby makes Paul uncomfortable enough that he just says like, I don't care like what you think. And Micah is like, that's the moment Micah decides to be offended. Yeah, she's like, you have to care. Um, that's the wrong attitude to have. Why don't you have to care what she thinks? She's my best friend. So marry Shelby, Micah. Yeah, she. the whole conversation, Paul was viscerally and physically uncomfortable. And Micah never once supported him and backed him up to Shelby. Noth- nothing. She just was irritated that Paul didn't rise to the occasion. And it's like, why would he? Also, they did not give him a chance to rise to anything. They he just answered their questions and they just made fun of him. That's when they called him analytical or like speaking like a scientist. I'm like, you guys are dumb as fuck because like Paul wasn't even speaking that. And like, what? Also, he said some really nice things about Micah and talked about like the way they connected and why he chose her. Yeah, and that he doesn't casually date. You know, he's in it to win it. I just, I don't know. That was so disappointing, and I really felt for Paul. So then Paul leaves. Yeah. He's not welcome. And Micah is sitting with Shelby, and Shelby goes on to tell Micah that she's not, quote, fingers with it. And Micah's like, what? You're really not with it? And Shelby says something along the lines of like, I want more for you. Yeah, this I isn't want, the wedding you deserve. Yeah, really. I want this like crazy love story for you. He's not it. And Micah is like wide-eyed, incredulous. Like she cannot believe her friend is saying this, but she doesn't defend her relationship. She doesn't, which to me, ugh, this moment, I was like, what is Micah going to do? This is the first time where I felt like, Paul and Micah grow on me at moments. Like, there are times when I see them together where I'm like, actually, they're kind of cute. Like, when Micah meets Paul's mom and realizes that, like, Paul is dating his mom and Micah calls it out and knows it, 
they are kind of the same. And like, I could see how Micah could be somebody almost like comforting to Paul. Um, but like, this was just like, Micah, you're giving your friend too much credit here. And also like, what are you going to do? They don't like him. I'm sorry, but how old are you? This just made me feel like Micah is a child. Like, is this really the dynamic you're allowing to control your relationship? Also, that's such an awful friend. Like, it's one thing if your friend's in an abusive relationship or there's something really off. But if somebody is making your friend happy and they are in a good place in their life, you are supportive. Yes. Period. Like, your opinion doesn't matter. And you don't get to fuck with Micah's head because you don't like your first impression of Paul. Yeah. To me, on like, as I was thinking about this this morning, I was rewatching some of this. I was thinking, like, this almost comes off as like a jealousy thing. Like that maybe Shelby's used to being Queen Bee. Oh, yeah. And now Micah is like on a reality TV show. She's clearly really hot. She's got two guys going after her. She's like actually doing well for herself. And to me, it almost reads like Shelby can't take it and just feels the need to shit all over it because she's jealous. Like it really just, (laughs) I don't know. It just reads jealousy to me. I think that's a sound reading. Also, they were there to celebrate Shelby's birthday. And when they go to do a cheers, she's like, oh, should we cheers to you guys? Like the jealousy is <laughs> oh, tangible. Yeah. Shelby's like, like you could cut with, cut it with a knife. Yeah, and I mean, we have many birthdays, so it's not like every birthday needs to be special. But on the other hand, I do kind of understand potentially the annoyance of like your best friend showing up with uh, a filming crew and a new boyfriend. Like that is a little distracting. Well, don't worry, Shelby made the entire uh, interaction about herself. Yeah. Okay. Right. So she really managed to. I guess, win the night. She did. She won the night. She won her birthday. You go, girl. It's your party. Um, Paul's apartment's pretty cute, though. (laughs) Paul lives there for sure. It was so Paul. (laughs) All those knives everywhere. I'm like, this is Solomon to a T. Like, everywhere I look, there's some weird knife that is not actually capable of being used as a weapon or anything. It is just a knife. So can you explain to me the Arizona thing? So does Micah live part of the time in Scottsdale and part of the time in Seattle. Yeah, she's rich, bitch. I guess she just has like two places and she just like floats between the two. Hmm. And like Paul's an environmental scientist. I just want to point out that like Paul's probably not good with like just bouncing back between places. You know, that's like carbon heavy footprint. And... Paul also didn't go on a show in Arizona. He went on a show in Seattle and doesn't seem like he really wants to live in Arizona. He also travels a lot for work and probably wants to just have a home base. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, this was another one of those moments where you're just kind of watching something really awkward unfold where they just like can't decide where they're going to live. And typically you, when you're dating, have time to work this out so that you're not trying to figure this out nine days before a wedding. Um, This isn't great. I also didn't love, okay, this is where I struggle with Micah. Like the way she kind of was judgy about Paul's apartment and the way she talked about their wedding to her parents where she's like, Paul would just follow my lead. Like Paul's an autonomous human being. (laughs) Like while Paul may not have a great sense of fashion, you still should like ask Paul what Paul wants and what Paul thinks and like integrate that into the choices you're making as a couple. Absolutely. And it does feel like Mike is not really leaving room for Paul. He's just going to fit into her life and his is going to fade into the background. 
And I hate that. I do too. And to be fair, I do think Paul needs to like communicate that and say something. Like Paul, Paul is smart. He clearly can speak up for himself. So like, come on, my guy, what are we doing? Say something. Like tell Micah this isn't okay. Well, I feel like he kind of does with the Arizona thing. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to do that. But then he kind of was like, well, you know, I'm not going to say no. Like if we were married and this is what this looked like, that we could definitely have conversations about it. Was that that final conversation that they had right before? Like, I think it was the last time they were going to see each other. So they went on one final date. He was really affectionate in all of that. That kind of surprised me. Well, do you remember at Chelsea's birthday party how Zach and Paul were talking and Zach's, (laughs) I'd find it hilarious that Zach is like the relationship advice guy. But he's like, you know, you really just need to make her first feel special you need to pour all of your energy and love into it. Like, this is going to make all the difference. And on the one <laughs> hand, okay. But on the other hand, Paul is, like, dealing with these conversations with Shelby where Micah isn't even defending him at all. Like, It's hard to pour love pe- into somebody that treats you like that. <laughs> yes, both people need to be working on the relationship. It can't just be one person being the affectionate one and the other person soaking all of that up. Yeah, that is a really bizarre dynamic. And that's why that conversation, that last conversation they had in the cafe kind of surprised me because it felt like Paul was really trying to let Micah know how much she meant to him and and was being really just like, yeah, I can do this. Like, I don't know. That was bizarre to me. I'm like, wow, okay. Seemed like the – I really thought he was going to break up with her. Really? You did? I, yeah. Wow. I didn't, I didn't think that, but I – well, because he gave her flowers. I mean, obviously not, but like it he does. He leaned into of, it. He did, which was surprising. I don't know. They are an oddball couple to me. And yeah, I'm not I saying that it can't work. My brain. But like, it, yeah, they don't make sense in my head either. It's just kind of like, what is happening? Which sometimes couples that don't make sense are great. And they and end they, up making the most sense. Yeah. Like that can really work. So yeah, it's not to say that's a kiss of death by any means. But also some of the things that they're not lining up on feel kind of bigger than just like opposites attract. (laughs) Yeah. And I think they're both a little emotionally immature. Yeah, I think so. I mean, and that is the, the, like, do you remember talking about Zach and the conversation that I think his dad had either with Katie or Gabby about how like relationships are forged in hard times? Mm Mm-hmm. And I understand that sometimes those hard times can happen after marriage, but I also think you get a taste of those hard times when you're dating and you need those moments to like really see how somebody actually is in a crisis or when something comes up. And none of these couples have that. And like they don't have any emotional maturity because they really haven't had to have any emotional maturity. That's fair. I want to say that if I was Paul – and I had been in the situation he was with Micah's friends, and Micah didn't did nothing to make me feel more confident or supported in that situation. I don't know if I would go out with Micah again. Yeah, I agree. I, I just, just think that I think that's a deal breaker. Personally. I just kind of don't think Micah is even showing herself to be that good of a person at any turn. Like. I don't know if she's just hiding this better from Paul, if she's like bamboozling him. Not really. I hate to say that because like, you know what? Men are capable of like seeing through bullshit. But like, I don't know. Micah just is not it for me. I really don't like Micah. 
I agree. And you're right. Paul does. Paul's a grown man. Absolutely. He can navigate this. He can. Um, but I also feel like Micah plays weird mind games. Yeah. It, it sort of feels. Yeah. And I don't exactly know how to quantify it, but it does feel like she's not being fully honest with Paul a lot of the time. And I think we have both established that that's why both Kwame and Paul are kind of drawn to her is like they're trying to figure it out. They're trying to put the pieces of together of the Micah puzzle. They're trying to like win her over. It's almost like a challenge. And Micah is never really giving them enough to go off of. And that doesn't bode well in a long-term relationship because eventually you figure it out and you're like, oh, so this is the puzzle. You're just a jerk. And you're just kind of a mean person. Yeah, that you've managed to like manipulate and hide in different ways. Yeah. I just think. I don't know. And to me, that just screams like Paul is either going to learn the hard way or he's going to like do what he needs to do and end this relationship. I wish he would just use his little scientific brain and put together the equation and what it equals and get out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You've got known quantities. (laughs) The effort and energy you're putting forth into this is not giving it back to you. (laughs) Energy in, energy out. It's not not balancing out at the moment. So Um, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous for them. So what's your suspicion on them making it to the altar and a yes? I'm going to be really sad if Paul says yes and Micah says no. Oh, yeah. But I don't think they're both going to say yes. At least I hope that they don't. That might be mean, but I don't think it's smart. I agree. I think they're one couple that like, well, I don't know, Chelsea and Kwame. <laughs> But Mike and Paul are a close second for like, this just doesn't seem like it could end well if you get married. There's just too many things that are not being addressed appropriately for you to have a successful marriage. I do think that so far Paul and Micah seem like they're slightly more on the same page than Chelsea and Kwame. I agree with that. They also seem to like have really cute chemistry. And that's where I keep coming with like, sometimes I see them together and I'm like, they are actually funny. Like they make each other laugh in ways. And like, they seem into each other when you get moments of them just together. Like, it is really cute chemistry. They kind of bring out sides of each other that they need. Yeah. You know, like, Paul needs more laughter and more um, probably, like, emotional connection. And Micah probably needs more stability and someone who grounds her. Yeah, and somebody who can approach things from from a little bit more of an analytical standpoint yeah. than just by… So I do see how the dynamic would work. Absolutely. But it's just not good. And I don't know, Paul, uh, despite myself, I like Paul. Paul's such a cutie. <laughs> I like Paul too. I know. Paul, Paul is Paul's pretty good. Paul means well. He does mean well. I really do feel like, yeah, I think so. I, I think I just, they both just need to grow up a little bit. I agree. Like Paul in 10 years, babe. Yeah, Paul is going to have no trouble. Everybody, I think Paul's like 28 right now. So in seven years, you guys, if anybody's single and listening, just like hunt him down, see where he's at because he will be a catch. I feel like he's going to learn a lot about himself through this process. Maybe he'll go to therapy. Or the other direction he could go is he could just turn into a total douchebag who's like really full of himself and like, I don't know. TBD. That's true. I hope that doesn't happen. I'm cheering for 
emotionally intelligent scientist babe, Paul. That would be hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With those curls and that smile. Yeah, I'm here for it. Um, our drama rating. I'm giving it an eight. An eight? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, you guys, I had to kind of rewatch episode eight because for some reason I decided to watch it one night when I was a little bit tired and not all the way sober. And I told Jess the next morning, I was like, holy shit, that was the wrong episode to sleep on because so many important conversations happened in that episode yeah. that were kind of like showing you how these relationships were shifting and growing, whether together or apart. And it was blowing my mind. So I rewatched part of that episode this morning because I was like, that was too important. It was too pivotal. There's like stuff that we have to pay attention to that is like depicting the dynamics of these relationships and like if these people are going to make it or not. Yeah. Okay. I, I totally respect that eight. What's yours? I was sitting here like debating between a four and a five. And then when I know, I know. And then when you said eight, I'm like, are you I, dumb? Like, what's wrong with you? Yeah, Mandy's probably right. That no, is. No, it's because Jess has been watching Vanderpump Rules where every episode the drama rating is like. Actually, yeah. Now I've, I've been tainted in terms of like my understanding of drama. And this is child's play. Yeah, this isn't real reality television drama. No, this is nothing. <laughs> No, you're right. I do just feel like there weren't really, for me, I think I'll probably give it like, I think I'm going to stick with my five. I think different headspaces for sure do play into how you receive this. And like, to be fair, it's been, I think like maybe two and a half weeks. proposing to bliss? Mommy and Chelsea talking about if they're going to have kids in three years? I know, but like, I don't feel like any of that like struck me. Shelby of it all? Shelby. Shelby's the reason I give it a five. Otherwise, I do feel like I get kind of bored through this little section. Damn, okay. And like in part just because like they're either going to get married or they're not. And I don't know how much like everything that's going on right now entirely influences that. Like, Okay. that. But what you just said is why I gave it an eight because I'm like, holy shit, these people are having these conversations and they're getting married in nine days. I do love it. You're right. You're right. You're totally right. <laughs> I'm not convincing you to no, change no, no. your five. I'm just – no, I backing up my eight. I think your eight's totally backed up. I think people are going to be like a five, really. Um, <laughs> but like I was saying, it's also just been a minute for me, so I might not be feeling like the visceral reaction to all of this. That's fair. Zach proposing was cringy, but not dramatic for me because also I just feel like Bliss, like from the moment she walked into that restaurant and was so mad at him. And also so in love with yeah, him. Yeah, she I was tried just to like, act like a hard ass, but she was totally into him. Yeah, I just haven't been, I don't know. That's where okay, we're at. Okay, I respect the five. I'm, I respect the I eight. I appreciate when we have different ratings. I do too. But probably, you are making me feel like on this one that I'm probably off a little bit. We'd be very curious what your rating for this three episodes <laughs> would be. Uh, um, Okay. But we're going to take a minute. Okay, wait, really quick. So there's 13 episodes. And does, does that include the reunion? Yes. So now we have 10, 11, 12, and 13. So do you think that we should do 10 through the reunion? Or do you think we should do 10, 11, 12, and then have a podcast about the reunion specifically? I think we should do all four. Okay. Deal. But we can wait to talk about the reunion until we cover everything 
that happens and then touch base on the reunion. Okay. I don't know. TBD. If it turns out to be two episodes. We're going to figure it out. Yeah. Not really. This is not a show that we're entirely familiar with, so it's hard for us to quite know how to structure it. Um, But are you liking it so far? Okay. So episode seven was really hard for me to get through. And I told Jess, I was like, this is the part of the show where I usually stop watching. Like, I'm definitely a little bit emotionally checked out. And then I'm sorry, but episode eight, like, ramped me back up. (laughs) I love it. That's great. (laughs) So I'm I'm in for the ride. Um, I, I don't know if I like the show and I think it's because like I'm hooked because I want to know what happens, yeah. but I don't know if I'm enjoying watching it, if that makes sense. No, that totally makes sense. Um, that's kind of where I have been too. And when I, when I like got through all of it, I think it was for me either episode eight or nine where I was just like, well, I got to see this through. Like I'm committed and yeah. you know, I, I watched to the end. Um, so, yeah, I do get that. And I also kind of feel you like I'm not entirely sure that like I would watch this on my own without any prompting. So, I'm really struggling watching Kwame and Chelsea's relationship for some reason. That can be so hard and so frustrating. It just, yeah, it's not a very feel good situation. Yeah. I don't know if I could relate to it specifically or if it's just the fact that I don't feel like he's being genuine with her um, or she's being genuine with him. But that relationship specifically is really hard for me. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. That one that one is tricky, especially Kwame and Micah kind of just like making their appearances in there. It really, ooh, I just don't know what it's going to feel like for Chelsea to watch all this back if they were to get married. You know, like that, I, that's what I think about all the time with these shows is like, this will be played back. People will see these conversations. What do you think you're going to do at the end of this all when somebody sees that? (laughs) Well, I don't think people are really thinking about that in the heat of the moment. Wild. They should be. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. They really, really, really should. So um, Jess has really leaned into rewatching Vanderpump sorry watching Vanderpump Rules for the first time yeah and I started rewatching it she's leagues ahead of me um again because I'm I'm injured and so I'm using all my free time to watch this show to the point where I am actually having dreams about it at night (laughs) I need to back off but I can't back off it's so I hesitate to say good because like it's really stressful yeah you don't nobody is likable (laughs) However, I have known people like this to some degree. And so there's a part of me that is just fascinated by these relationship dynamics and maybe even more so by friendship dynamics. Yeah. And like the toxic masculinity, the internalized misogyny, like all of it is just kind of incredible to watch play out in these really incestuous like relationships and friendships within a restaurant. It's it's wild. I'm so thrilled that she's watching it so that we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, But I have gone back and started watching season one. I'm about halfway through. And I will say even jumping from season 10 back to season one and kind of just remembering, I don't know, like watching um, Kristen, you know, rehearse movie lines and just seeing like where these characters started out in the beginning of the show and where they're at now. Yeah. It's so interesting. So I've really enjoyed the opportunity to rewatch it with Jess. Um, and we're going to figure out a way to 
to talk about it. Yeah, I think for the next little bit, we've still got some other fun episodes planned, but like we're definitely going to take some, if not many episodes to discuss Vanderpump Rules. If you get a chance, it's on Peacock. I know it's not free, but it's fun. If you like Bravo, all of Bravo is on Peacock. So, yeah. Um, and like, I don't know. I, I'm i so excited to like really get into it with you about it because it is just, there's so much constantly. Every episode, you guys, is either a nine or a 10 on our drama rating <laughs> That's why scale. I was like, Love is Blind is nothing compared to the shit you see on Vanderpump Rules. Uh, yeah. And, I don't know. Honestly, I've just been chomping at the bit because Jess is usually the person that I'm like, can you believe? Um, but she's going to get there. And then we're going to can you believe together into the podcast microphones. Yeah, I've got I, I told you this last night. I've got a soft goal and it is lofty of getting through <laughs> nine seasons before season 10 ends. And I'm on a really good trajectory. Because I have neglected all of my chores <laughs> and like everything that I'm supposed to be doing after work. And I just am like in bed watching this show. So I, I have faith in myself. Jess is hardcore. She, I told you 100% towards anything she wants to accomplish. It's actually so funny. So, so I can't work out right now the way that I want to. I sort of am just like going out to the garage and doing what I can because I've got major issues with my hip. And so last night when we were driving home was like, you know, you should like come up with a hobby or like something that you can do that isn't like productive or, you know, you don't, that isn't active. You don't have to like walk Mordor again, like just do something that's fun to you. And it occurs to me that my new hobby is watching Vanderpump Rules. Like that is what I am committing to. That is my hobby. So I'm really benefiting from this new hobby. So no complaints here. I have to rein it in so that I don't text you every second of every time I'm watching and be like, I cannot even. Well, now I'm re I'm behind you and I'm texting you about the stuff that you just watched. Well, it's so. good because at least I've got, I know what's going on. <laughs> anyway, all this to say, you guys, if you want to watch it with us for a couple months, you should. And we want to hear about it. And it is, it is so fun. In a really awful way, it is the best. Yeah. Guilty pleasure. I don't feel that guilty about it. It's really just a pleasure. Um, but yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's it. And next week, we've got potentially two episodes. We'll see how this all plays out. Oh, yeah. We're doing something special for the 20th episode, and it will be Bachelor-related. Because we do. Our hearts are with The Bachelor. We do love The Bachelor. Yeah, we got to bring it back. Yeah. And June 26th, charity season comes out. Very excited about that. Woo! Ready for her. Me too. I hope it's a good one. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Bye. Drama Bonded is produced and hosted by Jessica Brumbaugh and Mandy Booth. Our production manager and editor is Solomon Brumbaugh. Our theme music is by Joe Waters. You can find more of his music streaming on the EP Jupiter Daywatch. Music vocals by Mandy Booth. Graphic designer is Pigeon House. Special thanks to everybody who has downloaded and listened to us. We are so, so grateful for your support. Thank you.